I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often in hours. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join as their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one-day rule on its head and offer back-to-back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code DATABLE and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. The Dateable Podcast is an insider's look into modern dating that the Huffington Post calls one of the top 10 podcasts about love and sex. On each episode, we'll talk to real daters about everything from sex parties to sex droughts, date fails to diaper fetishes, and first moves to first loves. I'm your host, Yui Shu, former dating coach turned dating sociologist. You'll also hear from my co-host and producer, Julie Kraftchik, as we explore this crazy dateable world. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Dateable, a show all about modern dating. We're going to just take a jog down memory lane for this episode (laughs) and talk about the very beginnings of online dating and also online porn, the kind of the evolution of love and sex when it comes to online. We've got, can we call you the godfather of online dating? <laughs> Gary? <laughs> Has anybody ever called you that before? Is that, a, is that a proper name for you? But we've got Gary Kremen on the phone. He is 55 years old, lives in the Bay Area, originally from Chicago, currently in a monogamous relationship. He invented online dating, specifically founded Match.com and was the first registrant of Sex.com. Why it's important to say first registrant, you'll find out in a little bit because we also have Dave Kushner on the phone. He is 
50 years old, lives in New Jersey, originally from Florida, currently married, and wrote the book The Player's Ball, which is a number one bestseller that tells the incredible battle between the founder of Match.com, who's Gary, and the con man who swindled him out of the website Sex.com, resulting in an all-out war for control for what still powers the internet today. Love, sex, and Bitcoin. I, I think that's the <laughs> thing that powers the internet today. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we're adding to your bio here, David. <laughs> Called no, it. Fine. I smell a sequel. So, yeah. Dave, first set the scene. What were things like back in the early 90s where it's the wild, wild west of the internet as you describe it? Um, you know, in the early 90s, there were very few people online at the time. And certainly those that were online were not thinking about dating. I mean, they were just thinking about like Star Trek and the Grateful Dead and like exchanging <laughs> brownie recipes and still sort of considered geeky and underground and something academic. There wasn't the web as we know it today. It was just these bulletin board systems where you would just sort of call up on someone else's computer and see just text. And it was, there really wasn't the internet as we know it today at all, let alone dating. That is so foreign, probably to like 99% of our <laughs> listeners. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> Life before the internet? What? <laughs> <laughs> For you, Gary, as a serial entrepreneur, you saw that there was, this was a massive opportunity for capitalizing on love and sex. So Match.com, how did you come up with this idea? Well, uh, you know, you mentioned entrepreneurs get involved in things they understand. And I was doing a lot of dating back then. Uh, I was spending a lot of time getting dates to the, uh, I don't know if you remember this, the personals in the newspaper. Oh, yeah. In the newspapers, you know, you'd see them in the back, especially in the alternative newspapers. And uh, it wasn't a particularly satisfying experience other than especially since it cost a lot of money because all you got was a couple lines of text at best you know you would see an ad you would call the 900 number and people may or may not call you back kind of i had a vision combining it with early email of why can't we do pictures and video and audio and have much longer profiles and that was my idea wait so can you elaborate more on the 900 number like what would actually <laughs> happen when you called it <laughs> so how it would work, it was crazy. You would pay money to write a couple lines, cryptic lines in the back of, uh, let's say, the alternative newspaper, the San Francisco uh, Guardian, you know, single Jewish man looking for uh, you know, married Jewish woman, whatever the <laughs> ad was, okay? And the newspaper would charge you for that. But in addition, you, you would call a 900 number. And on the 900 number, you'd leave a message. And then you may or may not leave your phone number. So it's really not a good way of doing business. How much was it? <laughs> well, it was a per minute. It could be 3 $4 Damn. per minute. One of the things I noticed is newspapers were making tons of money. And people who own newspapers were making tons of money. And I didn't have any money, I noticed. And I wanted to be like them. So, uh, <laughs> you know. 
capitalism at work. I mean, I think it's hilarious that people complain about how hard it is to meet up with people on dating apps today when you had to call a 900 number and someone may or may not even respond and leave and a message. And just <laughs> purely based on voice alone <laughs> at that time. So I loved it in the book. Like, I know, um, David, you wrote about, like, how Gary actually kind of had this idea from an email. So I don't know if, Gary, you could kind of talk about that a little more. Like, wasn't it that, like, some um, female that was emailing you you were curious what she actually looked like? So what happened was I had a little business, world's first open source software company. But, I, you know, you know, I was trying to make money on the early internet. And uh, one day we got a purchase order, which, you know, someone wanted to buy someone. It was from a woman, like at HP. I mean, I can't even remember kind of the first time a woman emailed anyone. It was just very gendered male environment. And... Uh, I turned to my business partner and said, you know, we got an order here. And he's like, yeah, that's good. We can eat this weekend. And I go, yeah, but I wonder if she's cute. (laughs) uh, One track uh, mine. That was kind of combining it all together. Oh, is there, instead of it being a a business email, could have been a personal email. And could it have had information on the person in there, let's say a profile. So what did the early days of Match.com look like? The very early days was it was email-based, not even the web. I know that for sure. I actually looked at my very first Match.com email from 2004. I will share that with the group in a little bit. But 2004 was still 10 years after this launch. Like, I want to, I'm curious, like, the early, early days, like, what did the website even look like? There wasn't even a website. It was, again, you were doing it through email. This was very early on because the number of people on the actual web, you know, you could count them on a hand. So it was email based. And you would, so we invented the idea of anonymous email and uh, uh, you would email maybe a picture. Wow. You would attach. Because you got to remember, people didn't have digital phones or anything like that. How did people attach photos back then? (laughs) It would take hours. No, it's funny you say that. Um, Email attachments just came out. It was that far back. And it took like five hours because they were on (laughs) dial-up. On dial-up. Most people were on dial-up. Wow. If you had a a detailed picture, it's like you might as well come back the next day. Dave, I'm just curious. Were you on Match.com in the very early stages? I already, I was like already in a steady relationship at that time. So So I I already met my my future wife. Got it. So you never had the online dating experience. I didn't have have the chance, no. But but what were your thoughts when you heard about something like this? Actually, I remember when I first heard about it, I wanted to write about it. I, I remember that distinctly talking to an editor of mine at one of the big men's magazines. I very distinctly remember saying, I really want to write about online dating. And he said, what's that? <laughs> um, so, I mean, you know, it was still considered science fiction. Like people just wow. didn't understand People barely under that's the thing that's sort of hard to understand now from this vantage point, which is like it just seems like ancient history. But there was a time when no one knew what the internet was, you know. And when Gary created Mash, it was still pretty much at that time. I mean, most people didn't understand what this was about at all. So to ask them to kind of grasp 
this world online and that they could meet somebody there. It, it, it was totally bizarre. But once the media started picking up on it, I mean, you know, Gary, it was fast, right? I mean, it didn't take super long for for people to find it. What I would say in addition to that or is the geeky media, the Wired magazine picked mm-hmm. it up. But mainstream, you didn't read it in, let's say, Cosmo. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Cosmo's mainstream. <laughs> <laughs> for, uh, for, you know, uh, um, a couple more years. Was so Cosmo people- in the 90s? <laughs> so people were more intrigued by the technology mm. of it and not so much that you could actually use this to find the love of your life. It's still probably, even though it took forever to dial up, is probably still more efficient than those 900 numbers. Yeah. And did you charge people from early stage or was it free to start? Free in the beginning. Mm. Okay, so David, we established you weren't on match, but I guess to bring <laughs> it full circle. <laughs> Were you on <laughs> sex.com? <laughs> Right. Were you on sex.com? Uh, was I on sex? As an intrepid uh, young journalist, I had to do my research. Had to do for research out, only, right? Find out what was happening there. But yeah, I mean, it's like with sex.com, and there's a chapter in the book where I talk about the, there's a very, very long established history of pornography driving the adoption of a new technology. I mean, it goes all the way back. It continues today and I think into the future with virtual reality, augmented reality, you know, usually sex and games. Gaming seems to drive most everything. So it, it followed that when people were first venturing into this new world online, a lot of them were guys early on. And what a lot of guys at computers were interested in seeing were naked pictures. Yeah. So, um, and the first thing they would type would be sex.com. It's a universal value of that. And, and you know, Gary can talk about what that domain meant, um, you know, in dollars and cents. But the value was that anyone around the world would probably sit down and type that word. You know, even though the technology wasn't so advanced that you would see streaming and video and all of that, whatever you could see on there, people would want, even if it was just some pictures. Like, what was actually porn like back then? Like, what were you seeing? <laughs> I want to know, like, those details. Call up a 900 number. <laughs> like the Someone magazines? makes noises for you. <laughs> you know, I mean, early on, it started with just text when there were no pictures. People were doing what was called ASCII art, which was kind of like advanced emoticons that, you know, you would type characters on the screen that if you stood far back enough, it would make a picture of two naked people or something like that. And then um, with scanners, people would scan photos from, you know, porn magazines and put them online. What was appealing to a lot of people was privacy of it and that there was nothing to hide. You know, you could just turn off your computer and whatever you were looking at was gone. You didn't have to worry about like hiding a magazine under your mattress. Mm. Um, that's kind of a simple thing that has actually proved to be a pretty big deal. This world that was on the other side of the screen, the fact that you could turn it on and turn it off and there were no traces of it and it would just evaporate was radical. I mean, I think it was more radical than anybody realized at the time. And certainly that would manifest later on just with all of the online communities and just with message boards and how and, you know, how people would behave given that veil. I mean, I was definitely too young for porn and dating in the 90s, but I do remember the chat yeah. rooms. Oh, the chat rooms got really heated. It did. I, I remember getting some ASCII art in the chat rooms. Oh, you do remember ASCII art? I do. I mean, I'm Googling it now, and I'm like, this is, I, I'm remembering things now. I'm remembering some of the images <laughs> I've gotten. buried oh for years. God. I mean, there's <laughs> some really sophisticated. 
There's some very sophisticated yeah. ASCII art out there. I thought it was more people, cartoonish. People put a lot of time into that. Like, look know? at this, Julie. I'm, I'm, we'll have to link to this one, but it Whoa. looks like real. It looks like a real photo. Yeah, it's basically for yeah. any listeners. It's like a guy fucking a girl from behind, but it's like it's all shadows. Right. Yeah, it's, it's all like lines. It's very beautiful. I'm actually maybe very the ASCII art's gonna have a comeback after this episode. They call it yeah. prehistoric internet porn. Wait till the hipsters get their hands. Oh on this. yeah, it's totally gonna be all back. over these cafes. <laughs> that is true. There is a kind of an arty thing. That's a great idea. Someone needs to uh, Gary get on it, Gary. <laughs> Gary, and we're I want two percent. <laughs> bring it back. Bring, bring it back. back. Bring yeah. it back. Oh, that's great company that I started before Match, the one where I got the purchase order. We used to sell those. What? Um, it wasn't, you know, kind of the adult stuff, pictures of lions and stuff. But there would always be like one or two pictures of Farrah Fawcett or something like that, made of characters. And people right. would buy that stuff. Wow. You sold ASCII art? <laughs> oh, oh my God. I had this pro- this company. Remember very early, um, we'd sell 40 pro- op- programming aids. Okay. 40 programming aids for $99 open source software. And then we would have like art. You'd get, get some free art along with it but the art <laughs> would be like pictures of Farrah Fawcett wow so that's a good example but going back to sex sex.com what happened let's talk about like the yeah. crux of the story here the whole book is basically about Gary fighting against uh, Stephen Cohen for the rights to the domain Gary did you even want to manage sex.com what did you want to do <laughs> <Yeah>. with it <laughs> well the, sure the context of the whole story was I registered more than just than match.com. I had a bigger vision kind of going back to the newspapers, which is all these people who own – you probably don't remember this. One of the billionaires, billionaire families were people who own newspapers and media. Mm. A little bit different today. <laughs> but you know, the, Ch- the Chandlers and, and other families had these great monopolies because they owned newspapers. And how newspapers made most of their money was on classified advertising. And my thought was, why don't I be the online classifieds equivalent? In fact, the parent company for Match.com was Online Classifieds, Inc. Mm. Because I had this vision that, so I registered all the domain names involving classified advertising. Jobs.com, Autos.com, Property.com, everything in the back you would see. Because I was going to do what I did for Match.com. For the others, in fact, I talked. I went out to talk to all the newspapers to tell them about this vision, and they pretty much uniformly laughed in my face. Oh, <laughs> newspapers have been around for a hundred years; they're going to be around for another hundred years. Mm. You know, who's laughing so, now? Uh, <laughs> yeah, they really <laughs> believe that strongly. So, the, and, and as an afterthought, I registered sex.com because you know they kind of had the personal ads; they had a little bit of sex in them. So I registered sex.com. It was just one of the names. So you didn't want to be the the inventor of fucking and sucking online, <laughs> as uh, Stephen Cohen called himself. I got that from your book. <laughs> to, to quote, uh, I didn't. I didn't have the vision. In fact, I'm usually pretty good with social trends, but I did miss the value of porn. Didn't see that. 
My bad. <laughs> yeah, and I would say but eventually I got it. Sex.com is poorly managed today. It's just all giffies. Yeah, so we were boring. just looking. At Are it. you there? <laughs> we just it's weird. It's actually really weird because to me, people have asked me that you know after when the book came out about what it's like now, and I said the same thing. And it kind of reminds me of that restaurant that's in the strip mall in your neighborhood that always is doomed. You know what I mean? <laughs> like no matter what they put in there, it doesn't do well. So it's. It is kind of weird that nobody's ever been able to capitalize on It's such a waste of a great domain name. But it transformed internet history, as we all have seen from this book, and just everything there. I guess, like, David, what made this story so interesting that you had to write about it? You know, I mean, I think that it's just, it's a a wild story. And, I mean, what the lengths that Gary had to go to try to get this site back were insane and beyond anything you could imagine. I mean, going starting in Silicon Valley and heading down into like, you know, ending up at a shrimp farm um, in Mexico. And uh, so there was all of that. But at the same time, you know, you had a really interesting way of looking at um, the rise of the internet, you know, in a, in, in a manner that to me was for a mainstream audience would be kind of contrarian and just surprising, you know, because I think that most people, when they think of the story of computer age, they think of Apple and they think of Facebook, but they don't really think about these, you know, what I call the Wild West years when the rules were just being worked out. And for anyone who's not familiar with the story, fill us in on who Stephen Cohen is and how does he play into the story. Gary, do you want to <laughs> tell him about your friend, Stephen? Sure. Your BFF. Our friend is, uh, as Rodney yeah. defined, um, Stephen Cohn was a uh, maybe a criminal genius, five-time convicted felon, things like bankruptcy fraud, obstruction of justice, making false statements under oath. Oh my God, he's like our president. <laughs> 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 All of those the same guy. Is Stephen Cohen a fake name oh for Donald Trump? <laughs> you have aliases. Yeah. Oh my God. I've never thought That's about funny. that before. Uh, Donald Trump um, would want sex.com. Just yeah, saying. It all, it all makes sense. <laughs> it funny. does. It makes more sense now. Um, and uh, he was always obsessed with sex. He ran a swinger club. In fact, he was arrested for running a swinging club in Orange mm-hmm. County. And he got off of it by be- be te- being his own lawyer in court and convincing a jury that since he wasn't making any money on it, he really wasn't. It really wasn't a brothel. Uh, so clearly a smart or a creative person. He was the inventor of fucking and sucking online. So there we go. <laughs> I just love it. I can't stop saying it. Right. Yes. Well, that, you know, that, that was Steven. Yeah, and, then, and then what happened? The fact that he didn't, to quote the judge, the fact that he didn't own the name really didn't mean anything to a con person like him. He would just get it. One of his specialties was kind of stealing people's property, stealing people's stuff, not with a gun, but with a pen because he was a forger, among other things. So he he convinced uh, the registrant, kind of like the DMV, someone there that it's his, not mine. And then when I complained about it, he was able to convince them, you better not that domain name back to him. It's mine. And that's why I had to go to court on the whole thing. And going back to Match.com, Gary, what happened to it? What happened to your relationship with Match.com? So when one finally got the product to launch the company, it turned out actually to be pretty successful, uh, including days where it would grow at 2 to 3% a day, wow. which is, is no laughing matter in business. 
what came to pass is I wanted to expand it to not just long-term dating, but let's say short-term dating and uh, more inclusiveness, LGBT. That freaked out the people who put up the money in the beginning. And unfortunately, it was the time of she with the gold made the rules. Things changed today a little bit. So uh, we had a lot of conflict over that. And eventually, she with the gold won. And uh, I left the company. So they didn't want to service LGBTQ members? That's right. That's right. I guess their logic would be, well, we have investors, and that's too far out, and gay dating. Wow. God, what could that lead to? Maybe them taking away our money, not giving us any money in the future. And uh, they said, uh, we're not doing it. And I said, this is how you're going to make money, and I'm in charge. And they said, you know what? At the end of the day, we're in charge. Wow. And that was the end of that. It wasn't – so – in terms of targeting, that wasn't the uh, initial, uh, I guess, intention, but also in terms of functionality, right? That that people who were not straight couldn't actually use Match.com. Is that correct? Oh, I put it on there, and they they said take it off, and I said I'm not. I'm wow. not doing that. Good for you. <laughs> yeah, now it was good for me. It just probably cost a couple hundred million dollars, but uh, whatever. <laughs> You know, yeah, uh, and then you went and, I and they bought, were wrong. and then you went and bought grinder.com. Yes, tell me that was, <laughs> <laughs> that was no bad luck. okay. So, I guess, in both of your opinions, what's changed the most about online dating in the past? What is it, 20 years? Am I doing the math right? Has it been uh, 20 years? How long has it been? At least a little bit longer, yeah, at least. Long, longer than 20 years. Yeah, um, well, I would say mobile, mobile. Location-based is definitely some of the bigger changes. You know, you can find someone 10 minutes away from you. You can find a date, you know, down the street right now, there and then. I think that's a big thing. It, it just seems to be a faster environment. So before even online dating with like the 1-900 numbers and the classified ads, was there a stigma around that? Oh, yeah. Because there was so much stigma when Match.com came out. It's time to take a quick break so we can tell you about the latest service we have been building over here at Datable. We've created a platform to connect you with vetted experts from our network to help with everything from coaching with dating, dating profile reviews, and even ways to get real feedback about your dating style. The sessions typically run from 30 minutes to an hour and can all be done via Skype or Google Hangouts. So you can be anywhere. Listeners have been sharing how worthwhile their sessions have been with comments about how easy the coaches are to talk to, how they have provided a new perspective, and how they have created actionable ways to inspire change. To meet the coaches and book your session today, visit datablepodcast.com slash coaching. Now back to the show. So before even online dating with like the 1-900 numbers and the classified ads, was there a stigma around that? Oh, yeah. Because there was so much stigma when Match.com came out. Yeah, that's right. I mean, people worried about their safety, security, anonymity. It, there was tons of stigma, tons. So even before the online boom, there was still stigma around just personal ads. Oh, yeah, that was risque to do a personal ad. You know, I don't know how people thought they were supposed to meet. Like, oh, we met in bars. You know, like that's less risque. I don't know what they were thinking back then. Well, back then, everyone you, have to be introduced by their parents. Exactly. Back <laughs> then, you think you just meet a neighbor or a coworker or a classmate, and then you just get married 
right away. But I think what happened was people realized there's just a whole world out there that you can meet. And I remember when I was first introduced to Match.com, I was so intimidated by looking at all the profiles because yeah. I kept thinking, I can't. Be- first of all, I lived in Norwalk, Connecticut. For anybody who's been <laughs> listening for a while, your favorite it's place, my favorite place on <laughs> earth, where everyone's super cool and diverse. No, I. I really thought, oh my gosh, I'm not going to find anyone. And I went on Match.com and my first experience was like, holy shit, there's a ton of singles on here who are all in my age range, who look somewhat attractive. Yeah. I was really excited because I had some really depressing um, months in, in, in Norwalk, <laughs> Connecticut. So I pulled up my first email. Oh my God, uh, my I can't first believe message. you still have this. I have a f- whole folder in my Hotmail account called Match. <laughs> And it's all the emails I ever got from Match.com. My first one is from November 29th, 2004, from a, someone named CJ Boyce. My username was DZ. I don't know where I came up CJ with that. CJ Boyce, he's still out there. CJ Boyce, <laughs> I'm looking for you. His subject was, are you looking for someone to shovel your car out of the snow? That's a pretty good line because I just moved to Connecticut from California. I don't know, Gary. What do you think? Is it a good line? <laughs> How does that one stack? Great. That wasn't. Ba- that wasn't bad. That's not bad because I thought yes. Well, first of all, it's a question, so it's interactive. Like, yes, I am. Are you willing? Are you offering? Yeah, and <laughs> two, he's offering something that I really needed because I had no snow boots back then, so I didn't know how to even stand in the snow. And his message is. Tired of the hey baby, what's your sign bar scene? Hee hee, too funny, but isn't that the truth? I'm sick of the scene as well. That's why I'm trying this online thing out for a little bit. My name is Chris. I'm 27 from Brewster, New York. If you don't know where that is, it's about 40 minutes from Norwalk. Big change for you coming from LA. I lived in Vegas for three years. Loved it. Love the e-chat as you do. But for now, I'm stuck here in the cold. LOL. Till oh, LOL, whoa. Oh. That's really progressive of him. Wow. <laughs> he wanted someone to be less cold with. He wants someone to be less cold with, and he was super cool because he used LOL. Like, who used LOL yeah. back then? Yeah, back then. Right, right, um, right, right. LOL till job offer somewhere warm comes up. If you like to chat, email me. If I don't hear from you, then I wish you good luck in, in the East Coast later, Chris. I just want to point out today when you get hay. It's like, he, this guy wrote like a freaking novel. Actually, I went through my entire <laughs> folder and every email was a, with, was a novel. Yeah. And they were full on conversations because I think back then people didn't even know how to approach online no. dating. They were like, do I divulge my entire life? Do I tell you something funny? Now, you're right. Now nobody puts in any effort. Well, but- I think you and I are in an interesting place because we, I mean, granted, we weren't in the early, early stages of Match.com right. as we heard just now about, but we were kind of in that time that straddled the more traditional dating websites versus the apps. Yeah. And I know for myself, like, I remember it was like, it was, you just didn't talk about it as much. It was more like something you kind of did. There was still definitely a stigma around it. Like when I was 25, like I remember going on match.com, maybe it was a little later, like 26, 27. And that was, um, what, like eight years ago doing math correctly. I don't even know, but anyways, <laughs> Yeah. Was it eight years ago? Mm -hmm. Wow. Just to wing that. But anyways, um, I remember like there was this whole piece that like you would go home and you would like log into your match account. And if you're at work, like you would make sure that no one could see your computer screen because it was like embarrassing to be on it. 
Right, but also exciting because、yeah. you're not getting these messages like nowadays. You just get a ping, but back then you actually have to log into your email. And who had internet on their phone? So you、no. obviously have to be near a computer. So it was really fun getting these messages,、totally. but something kind of taboo as well. You're、yeah. like sneaking around. And you like,、it. I remember my friends and I kind of like devoted like it'd be like Wednesday night. Let's go on Match and like email <laughs> everyone. It was like a thing. But I also think for me at least, like I remember there were years like even. In College, like I didn't really date all that much. Like it was more like you would meet someone at a party, and it would be just like hook, hook up. Yeah, it was like very hookup central, and like I can count the number of like actual dates I went on, like on my hand. It was not very much. And I remember, like even into my early twenties, like I would just like meet people out at bars, like you were drunk. Like, it just wasn't like the best gauge of like. Actually, meeting someone to have a meaningful relationship with. So I remember, like, when I first signed up for Match, like, it was like a big thing because it's like you got to write the whole profile. But I remember, like, going on like really nice dates, like going、mm-hmm. to like nice restaurants and kind of getting like wined and dined.、Yeah. And I was like, this is what dating is like. So I think, like,、yeah. and what's happened today? I know. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Now it's like you're. You should be lucky if you get a hot dog. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, and, and a real hot dog. No, you know what I mean. I don't know.、Right. We still have had like I know、um, there's so many dating apps out there, but I remember like we talked with、um, David Cruz, who's like a dating and relationship expert that was a former matchmaker too on Millionaire Matchmaker. Yeah, and he was saying like if you're looking for something serious, like. Match.com, eHarmony, they still exist. Like、yeah. these sites are still out there. Like if you're on Tinder, like it's kind of like if you think about bars that you go to, right? It's、yeah. like there's like that trashy dive bar that everyone's like the last call place that it's like we'll just like hook up with anything versus like a nice upscale lounge. Right, it's a serious dating. You think about going to Match. dot com because you're serious about dating.、Not、exactly, like- <laughs> that's kind of how it evolved. But Gary, and, I'm and, just and, and, and I saw that, and I saw that, and I knew there would be kind of different graduation、um, levels for different people. And that's how it worked out. What's interesting about you, Gary, is that you're not in the dating industry. You're not like a dating expert, relationship coach, a therapist. But you saw that there was a need in the market for something like this, and you jumped on it. Now, looking back at the evolution of online dating and how Match.com has turned and how Match.com has turned out, is this? Do you sometimes think about getting back into the dating industry? Well, I've helped out some startups. Over the years, but、uh, I'm kind of moved on from it. It's kind of a tough industry, I would say now, to make money on. Yeah, just because there's 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 so much noise out there. It is a network kind of business. What I mean by that is, the more people on your in in your database, the more likely someone is to use it. Generally speaking, because you don't want to go someplace where you can't date anyone. So because of that. I think it's a tougher business. There's some entry barriers. I feel like Tinder really shook up online dating. Like Match was kind of like the first shakeup, and then Tinder was the second one, which ironically was incubated in Match. Right. Well, I think I, I think that's actually a pretty interesting point. They there has to be some kind of technological or some other type of leap to beat an incumbent in the field, and I think Tinder was that one. Yeah. For dating, and there probably will be another one in the future. I'd say, yeah. Kind of that more mobile use of Facebook's、uh, mm-hmm. database. If you recall, that's how you got going、mm-hmm. on Tinder. You know, it's sucking Facebook friends and then look for friends of friends. So I, I think their innovations do happen, like any other business.
Yeah, well, I think like Tinder was in, I remember because I was also dating in like the rise of Tinder 2012 mm -hmm. when it like exploded. And I, I loved Match because I went on really quality dates. Match and eHarmony, I think eHarmony always had the highest of quality, um, not quality, long-term relationship. Tinder's yeah. the fastest. Yeah, I remember like I loved Match because it was like you went on really solid dates, but I remember it just took a long time and a lot of them would kind of go to like the dating black hole sometimes yeah. because it wasn't that instant, right? And I thought, I remember like when Tinder first came out, it was just like instantly everyone yeah. messaging you all the time. You got a lot of DTF messages, but that's also besides the point. But you were getting a <laughs> lot of messages. I remember going on like date after date, like double booked, like mm -hmm. three times a week. So it was just like the quantity was so mass because it was easy access. Like you were just saying, Gary, it's like anyone with a Facebook account could sign up. There wasn't that long profile. However, I think we long for those days also mm -hmm. where there maybe was a bigger barrier to enter. Yeah, makes sense. Well, my longest relationship I attribute to Match. We met on Match. We dated for five years, and that's still my longest relationship ever. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I had a relationship off Match also, so thank how you. Long, how long Not was Not long. It was like six months. I, that's but... pretty sizable. I think that's that's respectful. <laughs> what about you, Gary? What, if you had to do Match.com all over again, what are some things you would you would do differently? Well, a lot of it was some internal politics within. You know, I wasn't uh, – actually, right now, I'm a public servant elected by 300,000 people. I've kind of changed careers a little bit. Uh, I would have been a little bit more political and uh, – I probably could have got a lot of the things I wanted done with my crazy ass investors if I would have just listened a little bit more and not been such a, we do it my way or the highway, you know, <laughs> definitely. But I think a lot of people would say that about their lives, wouldn't they? You know. What about like dating, like like the actual style of the dating site? Like, is there anything in the future stuff that you were like, oh, that is that was such a great idea? Or do you feel like the way you did it was no, the way you I did it? I feel good. I feel good about the time we did it right and we helped satisfy market needs. Yeah. No, no regrets in that way. I guess what advice would you have for modern daters today? <laughs> well, I don't think it's what I'm gonna say, I don't think it's changed. And I would say people have to, I'm going to say broadly in the category of being less picky, but it's more like love can come in many different forms and people should be less judgmental about it. You know, you never know. And I, I, I really do mean that. You know, people go, oh, well, he's, uh, he's only 5'9 and I want 5'10. I think less judgment would serve people much better. Amen. Give it a little bit of a chance. Give it a little bit of a chance. Did you see like data about like who actually ended up getting married and being together from match? Like, was there anything that showed that that people didn't necessarily go for who they initially selected? I, I don't think I could give hard and fast on that one. Okay. And how did you meet your current partner? Was it online? Uh, yeah. Online. Oh, okay. Right. What site? <laughs> Was it Matt? He's like a, oh, he's I don't, like I don't want to say I'm not in the promotion business here. He's not going to tell us. Sex.com. <laughs> yes, sex.com. We knew it. <laughs> like, this Giphy is amazing. I'm okay. going to contact her. Exactly. This Giphy is amazing. <laughs> it's the best. She had the best ASCII art ever. Best ASCII ever. Best ass on the ASCII ever. <laughs> going to the segue to takeaways, my biggest takeaway is ASCII art is coming back yeah you know i have a no, black no, and white we, printer we need to Let's... get ahead of it we need to get ahead of this no, we, this needs this to be a business i know gary patent that shit yeah there's gotta be a, <laughs> a more time efficient way of making ascii art and then we can send those 
instead of emoticons. The new emoji. It's emoji. You heard it here emoji. first. <laughs> um, my biggest takeaway, regardless of what happens with online dating and offline dating, we just have to work with the technology instead of against it. I think oftentimes we blame technology for some of the dating problems that we face, but it's really how we use it. So no matter what the next Tinder or Match or Bumble mm. is, instead of thinking about, oh, this is making me more antisocial, it's making me um, having dating fatigue. No, actually, we can't blame the technology. We can only blame the way we're using them. I love that. I think also my other takeaway too is just like it's all an evolution. Like yeah. the fact that like this, I mean, I think this story is crazy, Gary, that it like started from like sending an attachment photo, but like that's like what what was going on at that time. So it's like, there's certainly pros and cons of current and past. But I think like to your point of just going with what we are currently doing it, there's also a lot of pros of current day, just the speed, the level of connection, like Gary mentioned, you're on the go all the time, it's mobile, like there's just so many benefits. And I think a lot of times we get caught up in the complaining and the dating fatigue. And it's like, there are a lot of pros to online dating, it opens you up to like a whole new world of people that you would not have met. And I think it's easy to forget those pros when you're in the Oh, I don't forget that. I mean, (laughs) there's a saying in business, contact equal contracts and i think the more dates you have the more likely you find that the right one so you're a numbers game guy within reason (laughs) it's not all numbers but not if 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 you're not getting out you're not getting any about that there you go you're not getting out you're not getting any That is a great line to end this podcast on. (laughs) If you're not getting out there, you're not going to get any. That's very true. You got to be in the game. All right. You got to be in the game. You got to be in the game. Well, thank you for inventing online dating, Gary. Without you, I would be holed up somewhere not knowing what to do with my life. There's actually (laughs) countless relationships both of us would not have ever had. So, absolutely. <laughs> or heartbreak, sadly. Heart, whatever, yeah. what can you do? But at least that, that one guy in Fremont, I discovered him. Otherwise, how would I ever find him? Right? <laughs> I will say my last, <laughs> my last match story that I just, I always think is hilarious is I got this one message that was in Morse code. And it was like, if Ask you... Ask art? <laughs> Maybe that's what it was looking back, but it was like oh, real Morse code. It was real Morse code. It was like, if you could figure this out, like we could go on a date. Damn. But then my friend also got the same message. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Oh, man. Don't copy and paste Morse code. Come on, guys. Do some ASCII art. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, Gary, for taking the time out and um, being the godfather of online dating. It's just been a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, and thank you, David, too, for joining and telling us about this book. I mean, I love the book. I definitely think that everyone should read it. It's just fascinating, like, kind of being back in that time that was, like, beyond a lot of us. So I guess, um, Dave, can you tell us kind of just like where we can get the book, anything else that you want to share before we uh, wrap up? You know, the book is available online and in stores, wherever you can find it. And, um, you know, the response has been great. People have really seemed to, you know, take an interest in the story because I think partly they just never knew what the origins of what all of this were. And, you know, like Gary once joked that he's responsible for over a million babies, but you know, <laughs> probably 
He's responsible for 10 million babies at this point. I mean, it's it's amazing how, you know, widespread this is. So, um, you know, and I think it also just gives insight into how people innovate and perhaps, you know, a little, a little look into where things might what might go in the future. Awesome. Well, yeah, Amazon, you can get it. Um, BarnesandNobles.com, we'll any link like it. online, we'll link it in too. Fantastic. Okay, we're going to wrap this up. And, and um, for any of our listeners who have some Match.com stories of their own, send those to us. We love jogging down memory lane. What were some of the first messages you got? Because the ones yeah. I got were pretty damn good. Yeah. Or if you're send them in. Send them in. <laughs> or if you're still using Match.com or Sex.com or any variation, yeah. like still want to hear from you and just what's your experience been with online dating? We always love a good online dating story. Yep. And Fuck that fan art. I want some ASCII art. (laughs) (laughs) Send us your ASCII art. (laughs) Our entire website will be ASCII art from now on. We're going to wrap this up. Stay Stay dateable. Want to continue the conversation? First, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter with the handle at Dateable Podcast. Tag us in any post with the hashtag Stay Dateable and trust us, we look at all those posts. Then head over to our website, datablepodcast.com. There you'll find all the episodes as well as articles, videos, and our coaching service with vetted industry experts. You can also find our premium Y series where we dissect, analyze, and offer solutions to some of the most common dating conundrums. We're also downloadable for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Overcast, Stitcher Radio, and other podcast platforms. Your feedback is valuable to us, so don't forget to leave us a review. And most importantly, remember to stay dateable.